The Accident Mortgage and Realty Show is sponsored by Accident Mortgage, an equal housing lender at MLS ID 255368, and Accident Realty Advisors, which is a separate company from but still affiliated with Accident Mortgage. Welcome to the Accunet Mortgage and Realty Show, getting you inside information on buying, selling, and financing your home with expert advice from Accunet Mortgage and Realty. And now, here's Brian and David Wickert. Well, welcome to the Accunet Mortgage and Realty Show. I'm Brian, the majority owner and president of Accunet Mortgage and Accunet Realty Advisors, along with David, the more handsome chief millennial loan consultant, director of sales and marketing. Uh, we're wearing our matching Acunet quarter zips. Thank today. you, Justina, our marketing manager. Yes, yes, we're looking snappy. If you've got a question or comment, you can call or text us on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, which is 855-616-1620. I can tell you have your uh, prompt you know, written out this morning because we haven't done it for a couple of weeks now. So What? Okay. The anyway. intro. So here we go. Last week, we had the worst jobs report ever. Yeah. Uh, not really a surprise. I think, frankly, the only surprise was that it wasn't worse for me. Uh, now, this week, we have the worst retail sales report ever, down 16% in April. Again, not that surprising, right? Surprising it wasn't worse. But uh, this one, again, not surprising, but a startling statistic, clothing sales down 89%. Well, J.C. Penney filed for bankruptcy yeah. in the last day or two. Yes, indeed, along with uh, Neiman Marcus. Neiman Marcus. Yeah. Others on the way. But, you know, it's like, hey, if I'm just wearing my quarter zipper every day and my blue jeans, I really don't need to go out and buy that new snazzy shirt for mm. everybody. It's just your mother looking at me here at home. Yeah. Not that that's not important. Today I wore a collared shirt just for you. Wow. Okay, so back to the unemployment situation because that directly impacts mortgages and real estate. We learned last week there are about 25 million fewer Americans working in April compared to February, the last full month before the pandemic. 25 million, by the way, is the equivalent of every employed person in Wisconsin, 3.1 million, Minnesota, 3 million, and all of California, 19.1 million workers in California. Ooh. So it's just like all you three people that go to work normally, and those you guys stay home, you're on the bench, mm -hmm. the rest of America can start working. That's a lot of people, yes. is my point. Roughly one out of every six workers are no longer working. But that means five out of six are. I was reminded this week that what is particularly jarring about both these unemployment numbers and just um, economic data in general is how swift it all has been, yes. obviously, because but regular recessions, I'll put in air quotes, take six, 12, 18 months. There's this like it's like getting fat. You'd like you don't get you don't gain thirty. Well, it's true you don't gain thirty pounds overnight. You right. gain one Over or three. Months, yeah, exactly. And then suddenly you wake up and you're like, wow, I weigh thirty more pounds. That's a recession. This is I don't a know. Cliff. We need to come up with a different word. Yeah, um, a quick a, a quick, quick session, a rapid something. All right. So um, one other quick look at the numbers here to look at another way. One hundred and thirty-three million U.S. residents are still working. Remember, that's five out of six, presumably paying taxes. That's out of a population of roughly three hundred thirty-two million, and that total population number includes children, mm -hmm. right? It includes Samuel and Ingrid, yep. and Grandma Showalter, you know, uh, retirees. So that's forty percent of Americans are working. Yeah, sixty percent are not. And and before that sounds too shocking. I mean, I'll call fact, Samuel right now if you want him to get him on the I was on the payroll. Him, I've been paying him quarters. He helped me clean up some stuff in the garage oh, the other day. So he you are okay. He's working. The, the dead bird in the in the boathouse. Add him to one hundred thirty-three million. There you go. 
but I, you know he's not officially on the payrolls anyway before the pandemic 47.5 percent of americans were working so it's not like it's down you know it's not, it hasn't flipped all right all this is to say if you got 25 million people who are not working david how many million americans do you think are in the forbearance program uh, i think i it's like i want to say it's almost 10 percent of all mortgages you're close okay so what is that in millions? Um, just just take a wild guess. Come on, don't 10 be ten million. All right, thank you for playing. Okay, this is a pleasant surprise for me. There's uh, like 155 million mortgages out there. Are there? Ah, uh, no, 53 million. I added an extra. You extra a hundred, but okay. So the answer is 4.66 million Americans are in forbearance. That's frankly lower than I thought it was going to be, given that 25 million. All right. So what are some reasons why that number? is half of what you guessed. Can you come up with one reason? Well, I mean, well, because hopefully some folks are just able to make their mortgage payments okay. with savings or um, stimulus checks or unemployment. You know, just because it's available to you doesn't mean you should necessarily use it. How's about this? Uh, the number of unemployed or the, the people who have lost their jobs are disproportionately lower income. Hospitality. Right, they're yeah. working at the casino in Las Vegas, mm. so I think more renters have lost their jobs than Al homeowners. Although, off the top of my head, rent on-time rental payments have not been as uh, precipitate. The drop has not been as precipitous yeah. as you might think. Okay, right, yeah. People are like, "Hey, surprise! I'm still getting my rent." Yeah. So that's a couple of reasons, you know. Um, now, the percentage basis is eight point eight percent, which is one out of eleven. Eight point eight of all mortgages. All 53 million mortgages are in forbearance. And remember, give us a working definition of forbearance. Permission to delay either all or some of your mortgage payment for up to six months with possibly up to 12 months thanks to the CARES Act that Congress passed about a month and a half ago. That's right. All right. So, you know, it's time for our first break. We'll give you a couple of other interesting tidbits about forbearance and just a reminders of when and when not to do it. Mm. You're listening to the Accurate Mortgage and Realty Show on AM620 WTMJ. Don't just find a house, find your home. Here's more of the Accurate Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. So we're just talking about this uh, really helpful um, mortgage concept called forbearance, uh, which got ramped up by the CARES Act on March 27th, your mother's birthday. And um, and the deal is that if your loan is federally backed, which means it's owned by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, insured by FHA, guaranteed by VA or USDA, those are the federal agencies that back up mortgages, then you as a homeowner, if you have a financial hardship caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, you can call up your loan servicer and say, hey, I've got a not even call. You can just go click. Yeah. Generally. Yes, at the larger servicers. Yes. And there's, Fannie Mae in particular has come out with some guidance so that it need not be that automatic. Um, in other words, the mortgage servicer has the right to ask you, oh, David, what is the nature of your financial hardship? Mm. And if you go, well, I don't really I don't want to. Yeah. yeah. Then, then they can say, well, then you don't get the forbearance. Yeah. If you say... Well, I lost my job, or I have to take care of my mother who's 
come down with COVID, well, then you get the forbearance, and mm-hmm. it's it's a low bar. Mm-hmm. There's not like you don't have to show that you filed for unemployment to get forbearance yep. under this particular program. So, what kind of loans are not covered by CARES? Private loans, or in portfolio loans or jumbo loans are the two biggest buckets right right everybody else and the problem folks is if you if you are in forbearance or you ask for for forbearance while you're trying to refinance a loan or buy your next house correct or buy your next house like hey i know i have an idea i will stop making the payments on my existing home so i can save up even more and just kind of have a vacation holiday while i'm in process to buy my new home and you don't get the new loan. Yeah. Okay. So if, because you've told the mortgage world, I have a financial crisis going on. Yeah. Here. You, it's hard. Well, then, to, it's hard to say. Just kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. Because you know, I can pay back the new loan. I, I just can't I swear. pay back the old one. Yeah. Right? So that doesn't go over. All right. Some other interesting little factoids. We said that 8.8 percent of the 53 million mortgages in America are in forbearance. That's 4.66 million people. According to financial services company Black Knight, which does a extrapolation. Correct. This is like polling, I think, in the, elections. Except, except better. The, the, Correct. Yeah. They might have like a 40% market share yeah. in mortgage servicing uh, well, software. So yeah. they're looking at all these mortgage servicers who use their software. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, well, this is what we're seeing from our population. So what does that mean for the population at large of mortgages? Um, all right, so then if you, they broke it down, which I thought was interesting. If you look at FHA, VA, and USDA loans, those are d- directly government-guaranteed or insured, one out of eight uh, government-insured loans, or 12.4%, are in forbearance. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans, it's only one out of 14. So remember, government loans, one out of eight. <laughs> Fannie and Freddie, one out of 14. I have to divide one by 14. 7.1%. 7%, okay. that's right. All right, now, what about the other bucket? Jumbo loans, portfolio loans, higher or lower than Fannie? Uh, lower. You would think 9.2%. 9.2%. So I was talking with one of our Jumbo investors, like, early last week. And this senior executive was saying, Brian, I am auditing all these $1 million in up loans that closed in the last year yeah. and have now asked for forbearance. And what's unique about a million-dollar jumbo loan that you don't have to verify on a uh, reserves? Reserves. 12 months' worth of reserves. So we had to prove, the borrower had to prove, and these weren't our loans. These were other people's loans. Yeah. Uh, but on a million, have, well, yeah, because it's such a big amount of money. It's like I want to make sure that you can swing it for a period of time in case things get rough. So these million dollar loans yeah. in the last year, yeah. they had a year's worth of payments verified. Yeah, and they're calling up and asking for forbearance. To which I say no. So I asked Libby, her real name. I said, "Well, what are you doing when they call?" And she said, "Well, we're giving them the forbearance." No, I said, "Duh." No wonder why yeah. you're experiencing it. You're saying yes, and you don't have to because yeah. you're not federally backed. And why do you think people are doing that? Uh, as an insurance policy in case things go bad? Or when they called up and asked, their stocks were you know, hammered, right? And it's like, hey, I heard about this thing on the radio, and if I call up and you say yes, well, of course I'm going to take it. But if you had said no, then I would have dipped into my... Uh, savings and made the payment out of savings. Correct. So that's your quick little glimpse on forbearance. Despite all that stuff, 
Uh, there are people out there buying homes, and we're going to tell you a success story when we come back. You're listening to the Academic Mortgage and Realty Show on AM620 WTMJ. Expert advice on buying a home. Here's more of the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. All right, so uh, inventory in the affordable price ranges, as we pointed out with numbers last week, is tight as the lid on a pickle jar. I had to open a pickle jar this week, and I thought of you. You did. God yeah. bless you. I hope everybody does that when they... I, and mom has That's been, good marketing. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, subliminal. It took me two times. I was embarrassed. But anyway... <laughs> Did you have to hit it with like a knife? Or I was. Something? I got it. I okay. just muscled into it. Mom's been feeding me pickles with lunch every day, which is delicious. Okay. So anyway, uh, a semi-retired couple, so both over fifty-nine and a half, and and the husband. I think she just like retired completely. Then he has a remodeling company. I think he does kitchens or bathrooms or something like that. So they contact us in December. And they still own their home. Are they downsizing? Uh, I think so. Or they're, I think they're, they're getting out of Milwaukee County and they're moving to Washington County. Okay. So partly maybe a tax move mm. Mm. for property taxes, I mean. So um, they contested mid-February. We, they, they put their home in Milwaukee County on the market at the beginning of January. They get an accepted offer. I just looked it up in the MLS on the 14th of January. And so we issue our first rock-solid guaranteed pre-approval on January 20, uh, 17th, January 17th. So Contingent um, on the sale of their contingent home? Contingent on the sale of their home, but they had an accepted offer. Okay. so And they, they had not found their next house yet. They, they were not, just... Correct. Okay. Correct. They're kind of, and that home, by the way, did close at the end of February. Okay. But they did try writing an offer uh, in that well, in-between time before their home uh, not accepted. Hmm. Okay. And we're talking about a giant down payment because they have a lot of equity in their home. Sure. So like a couple hundred thousand dollars down, and we're only going to like lend them one fifty or less. Wow. So a, a really attractive down payment. So long but as you sell your house. As long as you sell your house. So they lost out on that one. They are renting a home. And by the way, for that pre-approval that we wrote in January, what did we use? Well, he didn't have his tax returns done yet for a self-employed business. We used his profit and loss statement for 2019 yeah. plus his 2018 uh, tax return. Mm -hmm. That's the magic recipe. Okay, great. So now in April, okay, they they wrote a second offer, it got rejected. Uh, so now- Obviously competitive situations. Correct, yeah, multiple wherever they're offers, looking. Correct, correct. And you know, they're getting a little disheartened, so in comes the call on Friday. Yeah, they've fallen in love two times and they got denied. That's right. I we, love you. Mm, unrequited no. love, I mm. believe they call that okay. in the poetry business. Yeah. So um so on Friday, um I happen to know the real estate agent very well. I've known her for years. She calls and says, hey, we're going to write an offer. And I've noticed a an increased sense of urgency. Well, and, and now, yes, but and now they've, they've already sold their home. They got a Correct. chunk of change. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. They are in. Hello, I can put a ton down. But I think they wrote an offer in April and didn't get it. Oh. Okay. All right. But anyway, back to your so, urgency. Right, right, right. So it's like, hey, we're going to write an offer like right now. Hmm. And so we just want to make sure. So smart real estate agent here. I just want to make sure that we're all square. Uh, and her particular question She must was, listen to the Sunday show. She does. Yeah. Um, she was asking, hey, if we close at the end of July, 
how fresh a profit and loss statement do we need? Well, because she knows that things are different. That's you were right. writing offers on houses in January. It is a whole. We had we had January, then we had the Jurassic era, and now we have May. <laughs> correct, correct. So I say, you know, the end of May should do it. And by the way, um, Fred, you know, what do you think that profit and loss statement is going to look like? Yeah, bring goes, me up to speed. Yeah, well, um, I've only paid myself three thousand dollars for the whole year so far. Dum da dum dum. Problemo. We will give you the answer about how we pulled this situation from the jaws of defeat back into victory lane when we come back. Don't break the bank to get into a house. Back to the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. All right, we're just uh, telling a story before the news break about a semi-retired couple who we had pre-approved in January, uh, and we had used the husband's uh, self-employed income because he's like a remodeler, mm -hmm. uh, but they're both of retirement age. And so this very, very, very smart realtor, before writing their third, on their third home, first two are unsuccessful, uh, called, and I happened to take the call, um, asking, hey, uh, you know, what, what kind of an updated profit and loss do we need for Bob's, I think I called him Fred, Fred's uh, remodeling business. And then it came to light that, it's, his business has been decimated here in the COVID crisis. Yeah. And instead of paying himself like $3,000 a month, he's only taken one. I've been able to pay himself once all year. So oh. that source of income is dead to us. Yeah. And so uh, you know, I looked as any good diagnostician at Ecunet Mortgage would do at the file. I had it up on my computer screen, and I noticed that they were both over 59 and a half. A magical number. A magical number, because, David, what does that open up as a possibility? Retirement income. What? So even though they're not taking Social Security, although they brought that up as a possibility, that, hey, Fred could start taking Social Security. I don't right? think we could get that done in time. But Probably anyway. not. But what's the other alternative? We can create new income from your qualified retirement accounts. Commonly known as? IRAs or 401ks. That's right. So it turns out that they have a few thousand, a few hundred thousand dollars worth of retirement savings. Mm -hmm. And so we can conjure up income by getting a letter. Well, because it is income. Well, it is once you start to take it. Yeah. Right now, it's nothing. Yeah. It's just money sitting there. Well, but just to say the other side of that, hey, they got a chunk of change from the sale of their home sitting yes. in a savings account. Yes. Oh, I'll just take money from that on a monthly use, basis. On a monthly basis and use that to pay my mortgage. That does not count. Because that is not income. That's right. And even though technically have you ever thought about this? Although taking money out of a simple IRA is not is it a simple? No, a Roth. Taking money out of a Roth IRA is not income. No, no, no. It's not taxable income. Oh, it's not taxable. I, we need to call Cousin Paul. Cousin Paul. Well, anyway, the point is, if you set up regular monthly distributions, and we do this all the time, so we're going to have a... So, dear financial advisors, and, right. and those over the age of 59 and a half. Yes, you have this magical bucket of income. Yes. And so, so what we're going to do is work with their financial advisor and say, all right, if you're closing the end of July, by the way, they won the offer. I forgot to <laughs> yeah, say all that's this. Not, yeah. So we solved the income problem. Bury the lead. Right, but, well, yeah, you're right. You're right. So, But we had to solve this big income problem. Well, because it would be way worse if it was like, congratulations, you don't have any income. Yeah. 
that is the disaster we avoided. Yes. So instead, we were able to give them an updated pre-approval letter, and they wrote their third offer, and they got it accepted, and here is why. Number one, they wrote without an appraisal contingency. Well, yeah, they got a pile of money. If you want the house. Correct. And so, so the people are not willing to do that on the first try, generally, right? Uh, right, because they haven't been spurned uh, enough in their times love. yet. So this is on the third time. It's like, okay, now what do we got to do? We got to pull out all the stops on, on attempt number three. That you're not, a lot of people, I'm not saying everybody. Yeah. And, and so you have to also be comfortable. There's a certain percentage of humans that need that affirmation from the professional appraiser that they did not overpay for their home. Okay, there's some percentage of people, but here's what I say to those folks, get over it. Yeah. And, and price and value are two different things. Especially if you've been shopping and you kind of have a gut feel. Yeah. So the, and the reason I say that is, and, and what I always point out to people if I have a conversation, the appraiser sees the offer, including the price you have agreed to pay. And so once people go, oh, and then I tell them, you know how many times they miss the purchase price? Like two five, out of a hundred times. I was going to say five out of 20. Yeah. Five, five out, out of 20? 20? No. Five, five, no. Five, five out percent. of a hundred? Five out of a hundred. Okay. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Five out of a hundred. One out of 20. And so that, so they did that. They gave the um, seller the right to cure defects. Why? Because if you have, have a, a pile of money, you can fix it afterwards. That's right. Fine. And plus, they really wanted to get the yeah. home. And their agent was, you know, detail-oriented enough to find out, hey, the seller might want to close at the end of July. Can you wait that long? And so they were a unique buyer because they're renting a house yeah. on they're a like month-to-month -month basis, right? Yeah. So they have, although sometimes first-time homebuyers come up to the end of a lease and they can't go to month-to-month. -month. That's true. But in this case they were able to accommodate that. And they wrote $10,000 over the asking price. That's what it takes to win. Sometimes. That is what it is. Especially so, in a competitive situation. And I was the helpful mortgage lender without any prompting from the realtor to say, I, I, I said, don't, you don't need an appraisal contingency because chances are when we put this through the Fannie Mae computer system, we ain't going to need an appraisal anyway. Hmm. Hey, when we come back, so that's the success story. So happy for them. Yeah. Um, now, when we come back, let's talk about, despite rates, we'll do a little rate roundup. Rates are super low. Why aren't more people taking advantage of these? What's holding people back? We'll cover that when we come back. You're listening to the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show on AM620 WTMJ. Getting you through the home buying process. Welcome back to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. So uh, rates are low. How low are they? <laughs> Call me Ed McMahon. Um, man, these are interesting times. Like a year and a half ago, rates were 2% higher than this. What? Nearly. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right now that you say So on a $200,000 loan, Acunet could offer 3.125% with half a point. And the Wait, APR that's is on a 15, That's on a 15-year? That is on a... 30-year mortgage. What? That's $2,200 in cost. The APR is 3.2. If you would like the magical, ever-loving arms of a 30-year fixed at 2.99%. Are you out of your mind? It's $2,800 in cost, and the APR is 3.1. For what loan size? For a $200,000 loan. Did you do the math right? Yeah. I tweaked my numbers. <laughs> Whoa. 
All right. It's I've a full, got a, it's a full point. I anyway. got a 2.875. Oh, what's the APR on that, Dave? 3.1. 3, 3.1. Wow. You can have a 2.91 APR on a 15-year fixed at $250,000. That is free money. 2.875 is the note rate. So, um, so rates are low. Rates are low. Why are people? Why are people? What is the hesitation? Yeah. What do you think? Do you have idea number one? Well, I've got my. The own dark idea. answer is if your income, job, security is unknown, or makes you nervous. If you've lost your job, or hours have been reduced, or you, well, that wouldn't that be a motivation to refinance? Well, to yes, lower your monthly payment, but it would hold people back. All right. Well, let's the sorry to be show, the Debbie Downer. I'm just, if you do. If you have no income, you cannot refinance. Okay, yes. With the exception of, can you do that on a, maybe an FHA streamlined refinance or a VA or something mm -hmm. like that? But on a normal 30-year fixed rate loan, you must have documentable income. Mm -hmm. uh, and unemployment doesn't count right? Uh, because we know it's of a temporary nature in this crisis especially. Uh, all right, so another reason I thought of is People probably don't want the appraiser to be traipsing through their home. They're like, I don't want anybody coming through my house. What's the reality on that? Well, if your loan is currently owned by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, which... How I, do I know I, that? You can go, well, Google well, it. Don't, let us do it. Let, well, yes. Uh, and it, the nice part is if we... Hey, oh, your loan is owned by Freddie Mac. No problem. We will run your new loan through the Freddie Mac system, and Freddie Mac will bless your loan and say... We can just use an exterior appraisal. Or possibly no appraisal no at all. No appraisal at all. If, if the Freddie Mac, or as the case may be, Fannie Mae computer system, believes the value based on its big data, mm -hmm. right? Because they are collecting, folks, thousands of data elements on every single appraisal for every single mortgage loan that is sold to them. And they have been doing that for years. Yes. So we've been feeding this treasure trove of data on like two-thirds of the homes in America are already in their database. And so anytime we put a loan through the... Right. Oh, uh, you think your house is worth $300,000 yeah. in Franklin? We believe you. Boom. Right. It's called a property inspection waiver. What yeah. is it called at Freddie Mac? Something, mm, something. something else. Appraisal waiver. And that's our favorite thing. You do not get that on cash-out refinances. Tip it. You can, but it's rare. So if you're just refinancing... That's a black swan. Yeah. And by the way, a word about cash out refinances uh, and tapping the equity in your home, uh, it, that is getting harder and harder because some lenders won't do cash out refis at all. Some lenders like Wells Fargo and Chase have stopped doing home equity lines of credit. So one thing I would note, yeah. you know, having been some, through some unemployment or let's say lack of employment or lack of income myself over the years being a self-employed business owner the one thing that is really valuable is liquidity being able to get at money which is a fancy way of saying cash homie. cash right being able to cash because if you've lost your job and you didn't have a lot in savings it's too late to get a home equity line of credit now yes right because you need a job yes you need a job as always ask for money when you don't need it yeah all right. When we come back from this final break, I've got a couple more stories about um, people with rental, either renters in the property that they want to buy, or I had a call from somebody wanting to refinance their rental properties, plus whatever else you can think of, David. You're listening to the Academic Mortgage and Realty Show on AM620 WTMJ. Getting you into the home of your dreams. Here's more of the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickard on WTMJ. 
So um, I got a nice call from a nice chap, a referral from one of my longtime customers and dear friends. And this fellow um, happened to work in commercial real estate and so had on his own personal balance sheet had bought a duplex as owner-occupied, lived in it, moved out, rented both sides, bought another duplex as owner-occupied, lived in it for a couple of years, moved out. Now that's a rental. And then he had bought a single-family home as a rental property. Mm-hmm. And this guy now rents. He doesn't even live in it, you know, in any of the properties. You don't has. have to mow the lawn when you but rent. But he has three uh, rental properties. And so, hey, man, rates are really low. Uh, what can you do for me? And the answer was a uh, big hot cup of nothing. Because, you know, as we went through the scenarios, okay, well, I got 20% equity in, you know, duplex number one. So when you go to refinance on a 30-year fixed rate on a non-owner-occupied, a rental duplex, and you have 20% equity, the good friends, good folks at Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac say, you know, if you want to sell me that loan, Mr. Wickert at Acunet Mortgage, you have to pay five points. Somebody has to pay five points. Five points on a $200,000 loan, by the way, is 10000 American dollars. Yes. Why? Oh, because it's that much more risky. Yes. Than a single family owner occupied, it is 4.5 points more risky than yeah. a single family detached owner occupied. That is refinance. statistically correct. You think so? In a coronavirus world and even before it, if you lose your job, where are you going to stop making payments to first? The place you sleep at night or that rental property that like, that's ah. yeah, yeah. That, that, that is the age old philosophy. I would just love to see the numbers on that to see if that really pans out. And of course, the other risk, if you are a landlord under the CARES Act, is not only can homeowners ask for forbearance, so can renters. Yes. <clears throat> and it must be granted, right? Because it's a federal law. So you all of a sudden might be having renters who aren't making the rent payments. Now, you were pointing out that the statistics you've been reading are that that's not happening as much. But I don't uh, have that in front of me. Maybe, yes, maybe not. generally. Um, so anyway, so we struck out on all three, count them three of his opportunities because of the loan level price adjustments, as the euphemism is called. I call them risk penalties. Uh, imposed by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac on rental properties. So he, he appreciated it, and onward we went. Now, the other scenario that I have is uh, two situations where people are buying lake homes here in southeastern Wisconsin. So so people still feel good. Some yeah. people still feel good. That is an ultimate expression of confidence. Yes. Not only do I feel good owning my existing primary residence, I am going to buy another one. And neither of these were inexpensive, yeah. you know, at or around or above a million American dollars. Ooh. And so in the one case that I'm thinking of right now, the property is currently rented. And so they very astutely negotiated that before closing, the renter must, ev- what's the word? Vacate. Vacate. I was going to say evacuate. Uh, must vacate the premises. Because what happens if you have a renter in a property in today's world? Well, you can't just kick them out. You cannot. There is a moratorium on eviction. Right. And so wouldn't that just be the terriblest thing, the most terrible thing, to buy a vacation home, and then the person who's renting it, who is supposed to be out, goes, nah, I'm not leaving. Now you don't have that rental. Plus, you'd be in violation of your mortgage. 
because when you buy it as a vacation home, it says you have to occupy it within 60 days, or mainly no one else can be occupying it right. uh, within 60 days. So that was... So that sounds like there's been some, some back and forth on, hey, renter, how can I make this worth your while to not be here because I want to buy it? Correct. And, and so the way that flowed downhill to us was, hey, let's get that appraisal done quickly. So that, because the seller doesn't want to give notice to the renter to evacuate, or no, vacate, that their lease is terminated until they're sure about the sales price. Because what's, hey, I've owned several lake properties. It's kind of a wild card, right? Because it's not like buying a home in uh, Can uh, Canterbury Hill where, you know, you grew up in yeah. Brookfield where all oh, the homes are fairly homogeneous. Yeah. On a lake, you get a lot of variety, you know between the quality of the lot and the quality of the home and the age of the home and all that happy stuff. I would like for us to check in on this topic as the as weeks roll by. by. The other one was a rent back from the existing owners, mm -hmm. uh, but that was a little less risky because they had built a, or were in the process of building a new construction condo and it just wasn't ready yet. The sellers of this house. The sellers. So, the, so they're being allowed to stay in for uh, a month yeah. and rent back. Uh, and so that's what you got. All right. So what's the takeaway from today's show? Uh, it's kind of a tale of two worlds, right? Either you're functioning normally in this uh, environment of the COVID pandemic and you still want to buy that house. Well, homes are in short supply because people are afraid to list their homes. Meanwhile, if you are a homeowner, uh, rates are super low. And so now would be a great time to click on the blue button for a no social security re number required. Boy, I messed that up. For a no social security number required refi checkup, you find the blue button at our website, accunet.com. That's all we've got for today's show. Thank you for listening to the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show on AM620 WTMJ. The proceeding was a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show are solely that of the hosts or guests of Acunet Mortgage and Acunet Realty Advisors and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.